This is the Roden Fellows Podcast. Capital One is a proud partner of the Roden Fellows Program, which provides opportunities to aspiring sports journalists from historically Black colleges and universities to produce content, including this podcast throughout the year. Capital One supports this program as a part of their larger commitment to the advancement of students from HBCUs. What's up, guys? Welcome to the ESPN's Anscape Roden Fellows podcast. I'm your host, Monet Heath, a journalism major at Howard University. Today, I have the pleasure of being joined by my producer and colleague, JC Christian. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is JC Christian, a mass communications major at the Alabama State University, and it's a great time to be a Hornet. Glad to be here. We have a great show in line for you all today. I want to first bring in Scott Lipscomb. Hey, guys, how are you? I'm another one of the fellows. I'm a mass communication major here at Xavier University of Louisiana, and I'm also the biggest Drake fan in the world. Alrighty, so we're going to get started talking about the Her Lost album, with, which was the Drake collab featuring 21 Savage. Now, one of the most known things from this album is the line from Rich Flex, 21, can you do something for me? Can you drop a little Rich Flex for me? <laughs> no, for sure. Scott <laughs> is one of the biggest Drake fans I know. I've met him I originally met Scott, I think we originally met Scott in the summer, and that's all he hollers is Drake, Drake, Drake. The guy literally <laughs> buys T-shirts. <laughs> you didn't thought, you didn't think I knew, but you buy Drake T-shirts and rock them. Like, that's hard, for sure. Man, I, I just love Drake. I think, you know, I'm basically from Canada. Um, I think he's just the greatest artist alive. And, you know, if I don't support Drake, who will? Not for sure. So, <laughs> I do have a question for you, man. Like, how do you feel... Seeing all the memes from Drake, you know, like the 21, can you do something for me? Like, I know you've been seeing the memes all over the place. All right, so I have two reactions. As a Drake fan, I'm like, man, like, let, let this man live. I thought that was hard. But as like a Twitter user, nah, those are funny memes. Those are funny memes. I'm like, man, like, they're, they're going in. 21, can you do something for me? He's, he's not going to be able to live that down ever. But, you know, he's still the GOAT. But, yeah, he, he's not going to live that down anytime soon. All right, so what were some of your favorite songs from the album? A Scotcher Up First. I definitely think my favorite right now is Jumbotron. I just think that that kind of like Playboy Cardi kind of sound was something I hadn't heard from Drake. I thought that was a really cool sound. I like that one. I like um, Middle of the Ocean. I think that kind of gave that classic kind of Drake um, sound. But what's crazy was he got this Serena Williams husband, which was like crazy. He called Serena Williams' husband a groupie. Which I was like, wow, like that's a, that's a random shot. But... You know, I think those two and then definitely Spin about you. I thought that was a nice one from 21. I think he has some cool vocals. I really think 21 showed some really great signs on this album. Nah, he definitely did throw a couple shots. I guess for me, I got a few couple. I got a couple songs that's pretty good. You know, Rick's Flex, definitely. That was that was hard. Major Distribution was definitely a banger. I like how it came in. It started off soft. I was really about to skip it. I'm not going to lie. And then, you know, the beat came in. Spin about you was definitely tough. And, you know, I got to give it to Broke Boys. Broke Boys was definitely a banger. Monet, how about you? Um, For me, kind of just basic. Probably just Rich Flex is like the only song I really know. So, so far, that's pretty much my favorite one. I got to get more into the album. I'm, I'm weird with music. I When something comes out, it takes me a minute to get into it, for real. <laughs> I feel it. I feel it. So, okay. So you haven't listened to the album yet. So, Scott, you know... How would you rate the album? What would you rate it? I definitely think it was a solid eight. I think it had some definitely cool radio songs. There were a few songs that I probably, um, you know, I definitely listened to all of them, but I probably won't really play 
all the time my daily rotation but yeah i think for an album it's probably eight but for like drake standards i definitely don't like you know it was a good album of course but i don't think it was something that's going to be up there with like nothing was the same if you're reading this it's too late views you know i don't think it's in that tier but i still think you know again quality music but i definitely think the collab with future was better just also because i don't know like future and drake really balance out each other well and i think 21 and drake made great music but i definitely feel kind of drake kind of dominated it versus it kind of being you know more half and half okay i got you i got you definitely i'm i'm with you I rated it eight out of ten i'm not gonna say i played every song i had a couple skips i can't lie but nah you know it was pretty good for the most part I think I got like nine songs off the album that are definitely on the playlist now. But, you know, it's just, you know, this is the one we've been begging for. Like the last one, I'm not going to lie. I couldn't get into that last that last thing that he dropped. I guess it was just because he's they kept saying like he's an artist, so he's going to make different type of music. But that's not the Drake we know. This this one, her loss was the Drake that we knew. I'm not going to lie. He had me, you know, I was going crazy for a minute in the car, you know, the bass going crazy. And all that good stuff. But like I said, I had a couple couple skips on there. Um, one day you said Rich Flex. So what would you rate uh, Rich Flex out of a 10? About an eight. Just a good, you know, song that hypes you up. Just, you know, a classic song. Like you said, he has a lot of radio hits. So that's just definitely a song that is just going on right now. So good eight. I got you. I got you for sure. So, okay. Out of all of it, how does this album go with the rest of his albums do you feel like this may be like a top five or like a no how do you how y'all feeling um personally for me i definitely think it, it was cool like i said it was a cool album but top five i, I don't know because my top five i think is probably not in order of course if you're reading this is too late nothing was the same take care views and then, oh man, see, this is a tough one. I don't know if I'm gonna put Scorpion or Certified. Like Drake just has so many quality projects that again, this was a great project. And I think if maybe it was any other artist, it would probably be in their top five. But Drake has just had so many great projects that it's not my. T- it's not in my personal top five. Again, there were definitely some songs that like, like I think Jumbotron again is one of my. Um, you know, it's gonna be definitely in my daily Drake rotation as well as probably major distribution, like you said. But top five, I, I can't give it that. But I love Drake. Drake, if you do listen to this podcast. I love you. I wear OVO every day for you. Fly me out to Toronto. <laughs> you know, shameless plug. <laughs> All right. I love it. All right. To follow up with our first segment about music, let's discuss the nominations for the most anticipated event in all of music, the 2023 Grammy nominations. Yes, of course. On November 15th, the Recording Academy would announce all the nominees. And I believe there was a lot of great artists nominated this year. And it was going to be a tough a tough year to pretty much decide the winner. Yeah, definitely. Um, So Beyonce has received the most nominations this year with nine, and I believe she continues to make history as one of the most uh, nominated Grammy artists of all time. Um, Following right after her is Kendrick Lamar with eight nominations. Um, Adele has seven, and then multiple artists, including Mary J. Blige, Future, and DJ Khaled has six. So how do you feel about these top artists receiving some of the most nominations this year? Great. It was a lot of great projects that was dropped this year you know you know dj Khaled, god did you know future going crazy you know when i say future i think i'll wait for you but you know (laughs) (laughs) but yeah Yeah. like for sure adele's going crazy when you say kendrick lamar definitely the goat of this generation 
I'm sorry, Scott, but yeah, Kendrick's my go to this generation right now. Can't lie. Yeah, I'll have to agree, Scott. Sorry. Oh man, one one thing I will give Kendrick his props for. I think he is a great artist. So I'm I'm not too mad. I don't know about goat, but but he's definitely in that Mount Rushmore. So I do feel like you know, just like with sports, I feel like if you're in that conversation, you know, you're definitely a top tier artist. I definitely feel Kendrick has he's he's proven that um you know he's he's in that category. I think he's one of the great lyricists. He's a pretty good storyteller. And I will say, I've heard he's also a really great performer. So I, I can't, I can't knock your boy Kendrick <laughs> deserving of it. Same thing with Beyonce. I think that she's one of the best artists of, you know, I've ever seen. I think next to Michael Jackson, she might be one of the greatest artists ever. Because again, not only can, does she make such great music, but I love her attention to detail in videos. I love how she performs. So I definitely think she's very deserving and, you know, definitely giving her flowers while she's here. And Adele is actually one of my favorite, like, non-rapper um hip-hop artist. I think she has a beautiful voice. So I'm super excited to see if she wins any because Adele can sing. I, I just think her voice is so beautiful. She had me at hello from the other side. Yeah, see, I can't sing, but I, I definitely think Adele is great. So I'm super excited to see how the Grammys play out. Yeah, same. I definitely think, like I said, um, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers was one of my favorite albums this year. Just seeing, you know, a lot of the mature topics that Kendrick talked about, I really enjoyed it. And then especially after seeing him live at concert, it definitely got me more addicted to the album. So that definitely was great. Um, it's good to see people like Jay Blodge get in donations, just a lot of versatile artists. Like JC said, this has been a great year for music. Beyonce has also did a good job um, being more versatile in her music as well with the Renaissance album. So it's interesting to see her and Adele kind of going back head to head because, you know, it was controversy the first time when Lemon lost um, to Adele 25. So I definitely want to see how it'll play out next year. I, I actually went to a Kendrick concert to kind of pick it back off what Scott just said. Definitely one of the littest concerts I've been to. You know, he was performing. Yes. Baby King came out. When Baby King came out there? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it was it was lit. You know, I seen a TikTok about the uh, concert maybe like a couple months later after. And I was like, I was there, like it made me relive, relive it again. And I was like, yeah, that's tough. But I like one thing about Kendrick that I really want to just kind of say, like I said, he's my goat for sure. You know, he's right there next to J. Cole as a, you know, great lyrics, lyricist and all that good stuff. So it's like when he first started, he was talking about like drugs and stuff like that. But when he came back, he started talking more so about like problems in the black community you know, being an advocate for a lot of things, a lot of things black, you know, so that's something that I kind of want to pinpoint out that when I say he's my goat, like he does things for the community. He talks about those things that, you know, we go through or people have been through. And it's like he tells stories like, you know, my favorite one of my favorite songs from Kendrick has to be like sing about me. I'm dying to thirst because it's, it's just tough. Like, I'm not going to lie. If you guys are listening Listen to sing about me. It's it's basically like a story in his own. He flows well. He talks about the male perspective, the woman perspective. And it's just tough. Like it's a 12 minute song. It's long, but it's tough. It's worth it. Yeah, we yeah. should not have been on a podcast together because I could talk about Kendrick all day. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I definitely love his storytelling. I definitely agree with everything you're saying. I'm not gonna go too much into detail, but yeah. Like you were saying, um, the concert was great. I made sure to get my merch. I still have my Big Steppers uh, bucket hat that I love and I always wear. So, yeah, I definitely love, love, love Kendrick, my favorite artist, uh, my favorite rapper. I definitely will give him all the praise whenever I can. So, 
I feel you. I feel you. All right. Now, to follow up on all of this Grammy talk, I do want to talk about the artists that chose to boycott the Grammys. Um, one of those artists that we discussed earlier being Drake and other influential people like The Weeknd and even 50 Cent deciding to pull out on their music to be considered for any Grammy nominations. So what does it mean for these artists to not want to receive these awards in order for their voices, voices and viewpoints to be heard? I guess I'll go first. Um, with regards to Drake, it's kind of an interesting evolution because, you know, he has trophies you know like the song and he kind of talks about like you know sipping out of his like grammy award da, 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 whatever and like how much it meant or you know what i mean whatever and then to kind of go to this thing where he's also said now one of the songs i just gave up grammys on my instagram the ovio boy is a businessman so i think it's interesting kind of like the evolution of how some artists go from you know they want that grammy they want that award they want that recognition but now they feel like, okay, we, we no longer want this. Um, especially too, I kind of get it. Like, I think the year Macklemore won, I think it was over Drake, J. Cole, and I think even Kendrick. So I think, you know, I get like, okay, you put out this great body of work and then you see maybe an artist who don't feel as deserving win it. But I think, again, if you're a guy like Drake, if you're a guy like The Weeknd, you know, you guys are two of the biggest stars in the world right now. So it doesn't really matter, you know, if you get a Grammy or not. Like, I don't think anyone's going to deny music. And coincidentally enough, you know, both my Canadian guys, the weekend, um, EXO and, you know, formerly being OVL. Like I just think that again, the weekend's gonna sell out any arena he goes to. Drake is gonna sell out any arena. So it's just one of those things. Yeah, definitely. I was gonna say, you know, I feel like you get to a point in your career where you're bigger than Grammys. Like, you know, Kendrick, we know we're, he's worth more than Grammys at this point. Drake, he's worth more than get Grammys. 50 Cent is really not putting out music content, but you know, he's, you know, directing shows such as like Power, Power Book, Ghosts and stuff like that. So, you know, at a point in time, you've made so much content, whether it be movies, music or whatever, you just pass it. Like, you know, your work is compared to other people's work. And why do you feel like you have to compete? If I'm getting millions and millions of dollars of just dropping 16 songs, I don't need a Grammy. In my opinion, I don't because, you know, my work is telling it itself. My work is paying the bills. You know, it's keeping me happy. I can go buy a Lamborghini, drive down the way and just, you know, have fun. I can drop the top. Like, you know, I can go on vacations and have fun. Like you go to places, go out of the country willingly and people know you over there. If you can go out the country and sell a, and sell out a crowd, you know how big of a star you have to be. So it's kind of like, you know, in a sense, are you really looking forward towards that Grammy anymore? Like, OK, like, you know, like like you said, 50 Cent, Drake, you know, you don't have to look towards it no more. I feel like you really don't. Yeah, I definitely agree with um, everything you're saying. Um, I had the pleasure of actually seeing both um, Kendrick and The Weeknd perform this year. Um, the Weeknd's concert was definitely probably the best concert, in my opinion, that I've ever been to. Just want to throw that out there. So, yeah, I definitely agree with the idea that, you know, at some point you do become bigger than the Grammys. I think for a long time we just viewed the Grammys as the highest, you know, achievement just in any awards, period. So I definitely think that now it's becoming a time where we kind of see the biases and some of the things like including categories and how some people are kind of not in their respective category that they should be in. Someone that I think of a lot when I think about this is Doja Cat, where I associate Doja Cat as more of a rapper. And it seems like all the time she gets put in the pop category. So that's kind of one of those things. And just also just not feeling appreciative in their music. I think about Nicki Minaj, how, you know, Nicki Minaj is 
you know, one of the best, in my opinion, female rappers of all time. And she hasn't received the Grammy. And I definitely think that that's someone that is, you know, kind of in that sense bigger than, than the Grammys as well, because, you know, we know how valid Nicki Minaj is at this point. So I definitely think we're just becoming more accustomed to that. You know, the awards, you know, they're nice, but they're not the most important thing that you need as an artist. Yeah, I think you hit that right on the nose. Like when you have someone like Nicki, I think you can pair kind of like a Nicki Minaj, maybe like a LeBron or someone where because they've been so consistent for such a long time, sometimes they get overlooked. And I just think that, again, like you said, I think Nicki Minaj is one of the greatest artists, not just, you know, woman or male, but I think, you know, she's been so consistent for such a long time. She's paved the way for a lot of people that I think that people sometimes confuse with maybe some of the non-music stuff with her, with, you know, her actual music quality, which I don't think is fair to her at all. And, you know, like you said, she's definitely bigger than that. You know, she's going to go down as one of the goats for sure. Yes, definitely. Well, despite all of the controversy and things that people think about the Grammys, it's great to see that history is still being made this year with people like Beyonce and to see amazing artists continually be highlighted for their hard work. Definitely. Before we bring this next guest on, I want to say I met this guy in person for the first time, you know, around Swag Media Day. You know, if you know me, I go to Alabama State. That's a swag school. And pretty much like he's been family to me since. Like it's not felt it feels like I've known him for like five years, five plus years already. You know, let's give a big Rodan fellow welcome to my homeboy, my friend, my brother, Chauncey. Hey, what's going on, everybody? What's hey, up, Chauncey? welcome, Chauncey. Uh, hey, I just want to first say that I'm uh extremely excited to be on and very much uh just as appreciative to be on as well with you guys. And being a fan of what you guys have done so far, you guys have done an amazing job. And I'm just so excited to see you guys push the Rodent Fellowship forward. I appreciate that, Chauncey. So uh, I'm going to give you a second to introduce yourself, tell you where you go to school. You know, I don't, I don't you know, I don't like where you go to school, but I'm going to let you introduce. You me. don't like the inferior school. That's what it is. I understand. <laughs> don't, don't start with me on the podcast. I understand. You know Listen, <laughs> you know you don't like the inferior school. You wish you went here. That's what it is. Hey, man. So we, without. Hey, hey, hey. Didn't we, didn't hey. we just beat y'all? Hey, <laughs> listen, listen. That's your first time in your entire college career. You're am right. I, am You're I, right. And it was a come good one. Come on now. It was a good was, one. That's all I got to say. It was a good one. But I will say in that fourth quarter, in the very last drive, you guys knew what was going on the moment the drive started. True or not true? Did you believe that we would go back and score and force the game into overtime like 2019? I got a question. Did the time run out? Did the time not run out? <laughs> Who bought the championship home? <laughs> Big Bama State. That's all I got to say. I'm going to let you introduce yourself before I get started with you now. Go ahead. Go ahead all right. I'm just going to continue the show forward here as he knows who's the inferior school. If you don't know who's the much more superior school is to Alabama State, it's the illustrious Alabama A&M University. I am a senior, also majoring in communications media. Um, as JC has explained, I also am in this media business as the rest of you great fellows. I currently hailed as the men's and women's basketball play-by-play and host. I also am a writer for the al.com which is our state's um publication our state's digital publication so i wear uh, a couple different hats for our university and just for the state in general i'm currently from cleveland ohio and 
I'm looking forward to, you know, helping and being a part of this great show. All right. Well, we do want to once again welcome you. Um, so we're going to go ahead and just get right started into the interview. So you've had an interesting summer entering for the L.A. Rams. Um, could you tell us a little bit about your experience? Wow. Uh, so the experience was something that is so hard for me to put in words sometimes because it's, it's incredible to just think that this happened in a matter of a two month span, you know, Um so originally I was interning in Huntsville at a, one of our local stations, um, WHT News 19. And I, I got an email from Gregory Gibson, who is an amazing man, amazing leader. He partnered with ESPN to create the Black Sports Business Symposium, which was in Atlanta during Juneteenth weekend. The idea was that he could bring hundreds of black sports professionals across the world across the the country across all of the major league sports and including a couple of our networks as well with espn have everyone come together and with students as well and create this incubator and this great space for us to be able to grab knowledge and to create connections build new friendships and also one of the main points, which was to create more diversity in our major league sports. And so I um, had got there. Um, I just took I just took a leap of faith and said, you know, what? I'm, I'm going to go to this uh, symposium and I'll, I'll worry about the rest when I get back. Yeah, I have family to stay and things of that nature. So I wasn't worried about where to stay and things like that, because I always have family in Georgia. So once I got to the symposium, um, I was immediately met by one of my good friends and a, a guy that I generally call a mentor, a true mentor, and Steve Weish, NFL Network Steve Weish. And he actually introduced me to this guy and um, we had a great conversation. Um, we talked about the struggles that HBCUs face, whether it's um, the internet desert, the um, broadband desert that we see faced on our campuses today or food deserts. And I, I also got a chance to um, just elaborate and talk on what I see myself doing in the future and um, why, which is being a play-by-play -play and a host because we don't necessarily see a lot of black play-by-plays on air. I mean, if you go through the major television networks right now for the NFL slate, you may not find a black play-by-play -play on Sunday. Um, for the first time in, in, in the NBA Finals last summer, we saw a play-by-play -play of color for one game in Mark Jones, or maybe it was two games, I'm not sure. But the only reason technically that he even had the opportunity was because Mike Breen wasn't able to do it due to COVID. And so those things can't be. If you're telling me that we push so hard for diversity, but we are not pushing for it when it comes to our media members, I think that's an issue. So that was always been my purpose. And I was able to share that with him. And it just so happened that the guy that Steve Weiss introduced me to was Kevin Dimoff, which if anyone knows, Mr. Dimoff is the Rams COO. And he also was able to back this symposium a lot, including the Rams. The Rams and Dimoff were able to back this symposium and they actually put together this symposium themselves. During that weekend, I had an opportunity to audition for ESPN and uh, just greet and meet so many new faces and learn more about the business and learn more about what other people want to do and just 
had a great time during this symposium this weekend. But after all of that great stuff, um, Kevin was able to find me and say, hey, I think I have a great idea for you. What do you think about coming to Los Angeles for a couple of weeks with us? And honestly, I was stunned. I didn't know what to think in the moment because it felt like I was paralyzed because it felt like my a part of my dream was right here. We, we, we got the thing sorted out. And when I got there, I could just I could just already feel the aura of how this team was and where they had just came from being a Super Bowl champion. You know, when you you it starts to hit you the moment that you see Aaron Donald um, doing the drill that went famous this summer and that went viral this summer. I can't even describe it. I want to call it the I'm going to call it the Aaron Donald drill, but it's like the choking drill. I know, I, I'm pretty sure everybody saw it, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It hits you when you see that moment and then also seeing Matthew Stafford and then Cooper Cup. And unfortunately, you, you see Van Jefferson's injury, but it hits you the moment that you know that this is real when you get on that uh, field and you get to training camp and you see these amazing talents, but you also see the behind the scenes with the training staff members and the operation crew and then also the content crew that I was so happy I could be a part of and see their ways and how their culture is built and understand what it takes to be a professional throughout the day-to-day of an NFL staff member. And I just had the greatest mentors I could possibly have out there with their play-by-play and radio hosts and JB Long, as well as Erica Tamposi or AKA uh, Ricky Hollywood. And she was amazing. And they they took me in as my training camp parents, quote unquote. (laughs) And they were able to just give me enough knowledge and and also give me an idea of how these things, how things go for them throughout their season. And it, it helped me so much along the way. When I look at it now, as we get into basketball season, and I'm back now on the call for Alabama A&M, I, I took everything that they gave me during that time, whether um, it was Erica's social notes when she's writing her script for social media and helping me with my content producing, to also learning how to manage my game notes and how to better organize my rosters when it comes to calling basketball games from JB Long. And during that time, I just was able to also be able to call a a drive for the Rams. And I I don't think, uh, for one, a lot of college students are able to get that type of opportunity, but also a lot of HBCU students are definitely not able to get those type of opportunities. And I can't put the words together on how amazing and how grateful I was to have that moment on the call, on the microphone and calling a drive, but not only a drive, but a touchdown drive for the Rams next to Maurice Jones Drew, who was also great for me, a football almanac. And I was able to just give him, put the ball on a tee for him. And he was able to knock it out the park for me. And it was just an awesome opportunity and an awesome time out there in Los Angeles. Definitely. Definitely. And I think you hit it right on the head when you said, you know, a lot of HBCU students don't have you know, the opportunity and pretty much, you know, we're, we're starting to get more opportunities as time go, you know, me and you, we all, everybody in this call goes to HBCUs and you see where we are now, you know, you're interning with uh, the Los Angeles Rams and, you know, Scott and Monet and me myself interning with, you know, Anscape the Rodent Fellows from ESPN. So, you know, we're actually starting to get a lot more recognition and a lot more opportunities as long as we take advantage of those 
I feel like we, you know, we can set the tone for a lot of HBCU students that want to be where we are communications majors or even doctors or even lawyers to inspire them to understand that, you know, if you work hard, you can get there. And I also think, guys, that um, one of our I think it's a duty to all of us that are in the media to also show the youth that there's more to life than being able to dribble a ball or fiddle with the mic. And I can't remember who gave those lyrics. I think it was J. Cole. But I think it's our duty as media members to prove to the youth that there's more than just those two things to get out of the situations you're in. And being in sports, it's been able, that's been able to think something that's pushed me to want to be great, but also being a great um, example as well. And I think you hit the nail. I think you touched on this really well, JC. From our perspective as Alabama HBCU students, we don't have the luxury that a lot of the other universities have. Um, When you look at the state of Texas or state of Georgia, even over in uh, for Howard and uh, Hampton, I saw they had some, a partnership uh, opportunity with um, the Washington Commanders. We don't have a lot of major league sports, unfortunately, in this state. I think the only major league sport that they truly consider is the Crimson Tide, and they don't have too many ties to neither one of our HBCU. So right. it's difficult to try to navigate as a sports media member in this state, but it's also even harder to find the opportunities that we want because there's not too many partnerships with our universities. Definitely. Well, you hit everything on the head for sure. Well, that's all for today's episode. Thank you everybody for tuning in. Follow us at Anscape on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok to keep up with our HBCU homecoming experiences. To our audience, thank you for tuning in with us for another year of the fellow podcast. We'd like to give a special thanks to Scott and Chancellor for taking out the time to be with us. An extra thanks to Mr. Roden, Parker Owens, and the ESPN digital audio team. Get all of your Roden Fellows HBCU podcast episodes by subscribing to the Anscape Listen tab on the ESPN app. Make sure to join us next time for another HBCU podcast. And don't forget to go on the Anscape website to look at the latest news and insight. Producer JC Christian. And I'm your host, Monet Heath. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in.